Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. And, you know, Kim, last week I was kind of down with some allergies and they're starting to clear out a little bit. I can tell you sound so much better. Sound a little bit better. Hey, we had a, you know, one of the things that make me feel better is we had a great teak mixer. That's right. The Texas Energy Advocate Coalition, which was created to be a networking group, but also an advocating group for the energy sector, was filled to capacity. Absolutely. And, and Fogo de Chao, you couldn't have picked a better place. Oh, man, their food is delicious, isn't it? Loved it. Brazilian Loved it. Steakhouse. Brazilian Steakhouse, great great place to have a mixer. And it was a great mixer. It was It's a great networking opportunity. And just, I mean, the coalition is, is growing by leaps and bounds and you weekly. Know, and I want to talk about the, the coalition because really all year long what it's designed to do is to uh, help like-minded individuals come in and network their business. Um, we know that successful salespeople, entrepreneurs, um, leaders, they all have a common trait, which is they like to network and they understand the necessity for networking. And so this is a great group to be a part of, especially since it's not just the business sector, but there's a lot of energy folks that are mixed into that as well. So it's great for uh, you know, growing that business. But it also is a great vehicle for us to really start talking about one of the greatest assets that Texas has, which is our energy sector. You know, there's 200 rigs up in Permian Basin right now. And there's, you know, Eagle Ford has a little under 50. And as soon as the price comes back up to 50 or so, we'll see a resurge there too. Oil is an huge part of the Texas economy. Absolutely. And if you'd, if you'd like more information about Teak, it's real simple. Go to shalemag.com, look for the Teak button, click on it, join. You won't regret it. And I it's promise. free to join. Get involved, get engaged, come and learn and grow your business. Speaking of Shale Mag, new cover coming. Oh my goodness, yes. Our cover this issue is Harold Ham, who happens to be the president of Continental Resources. And what makes this a phenomenal issue, Alvin, is it's actually outside of Texas and we're going to Oklahoma and uh, we, we did a story on his company. And, you know, for a lot of the readers, I don't want to give away too much, but for our listeners and our readers that follow the magazine and the radio show, you know, he's an inspiration. This guy has a real story, an amazing story that should inspire us all. And uh, I believe when you read his story, you'll understand that the American dream is alive and well uh, in the United States. Great article to read about him. Well, the new issue is out now, so go to shalemag.com and check it out. If somebody wants a hard copy of this, this is going to be a tough one to get. Right. We do anticipate us running out and having to reorder. Um, most of the individuals sign up for our subscription. It's forty nine ninety nine for the year, and you get six subscriptions. All they have to do is just email us, ask us to keep it in the loop. But, you know, you can get it free all the time, the digital version. Uh, just go to shellmag.com. Well, and with that, Kim, I think it's time we catch up with our resident expert, the one and only David Blackman. 
Thank you, Alvin. And today we have back on the show our energy expert, David Blackman, who's with DB Energy Advisors. David, welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Thanks. Happy to be here. Well, you know, we have some very interesting uh, moving parts when it comes down to uh, here in Texas, the Sunset Commission hearing. So the initial Railroad Commission Sunset hearing took place recently in Austin. And this is the third time that they've uh, been up for review in this session. And I just want you to remind our listeners briefly how we got to this point. Well, it's been a kind of a long saga. You know, uh, each of the state's commissions have to undergo the sunset review every 12 years, supposedly. Uh, And the 2011 session was uh, when the Railroad Commission was initially due up. Uh, They had a very controversial and and difficult process in 2011, and the legislature wasn't able to reach an agreement on a final bill, so they just kicked the can down the road for two years. Took it up again in 2013, and some of the same controversial issues came up that had come up in 2011, and the process failed again, and and, uh, (laughs) this time the members of the legislature were so tired of dealing with it, they kicked the can down the road for four years. So here we are again. Um, you know, and uh, the whole process began again, like you said, a few weeks ago with the, with the initial hearing of the Sunset Review Commission's recommendations. You know, um, hopefully it'll be a better process this time. Well, you know, the hearings that occurred, the testimony from all three commissioners appeared to be very well received. Um, but I'm not sure about the recommendations from the Sunset Commission. One of them most startling to me is wanting to remove the voters' right to vote in commissioners and have it move to an appointment. Well, how do you think the hearing went? Well, you're right. I mean, it did go very well for, for the commissioners and, and pretty poorly for the representatives from the Sunset Commission itself, and partially because they keep coming forward with the same proposals that very few people actually like. You know, like like having the commissioners appointed, like like moving all the hearings to the to SOA, uh, the state office of administrative hearings, um, like changing the name of the commission itself and spending millions of dollars doing it. Uh, these are ideas that have been pretty well rejected, and, and uh, just seemed like from the from the tone of the reception from most of the members of the committees. Um, you know, they weren't real well received, and, and I think you'll, you'll see that most or all of them will just fall by the wayside. Well, that's good news because I am really personally not uh, thinking that removing the power from the citizens of Texas, since this is an elected position, is, is a good move for anyone, especially realizing how important the Texas Railroad Commission is when it comes to oil and gas, which is just a huge part of the Texas economy. So that's right. Yeah. And David Porter, I think, had the best line about moving the hearings to SOA. Um, you know, he said a few weeks ago, I can't remember where it was, but I saw it in the newspaper. He said, you know, it's one thing for the state office of administrative hearings to determine who should or shouldn't get a barber's license, right? But it's a completely different and high, more highly complex matter to determine whether or not a billion-dollar processing plant or natural gas pipeline should get a permit. And the folks at SOA simply don't have that expertise. All the oil and gas expertise in Texas government resides at the Railroad Commission, and that's where those hearings need to stay. I agree, especially letting the voters continue to elect those people who will oversee that process. So do you feel that um, 
that the process went fairly well, and so they'll be reauthorized for another 12 years, and we can just put this to bed and move on. <laughs> God, I hope so. I, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm praying that's what happens. It seems like the prospect is pretty good, and, you know, 12 years from now, I'll be completely retired and won't have to deal with it again, so I'm, I'll, I'll be really glad if that happens. That good. You know, I want to change gears just a little bit because we are in a very interesting presidential campaign. Uh, it's just amazing, this campaign, different than any other campaign I've ever experienced in my lifetime. And there is so much at stake of what is going on between these two different candidates, Hillary Clinton and, of course, uh, Donald Trump. And you and I talk a lot about what's going on. But, you know, just the other day, you know, we had this amazing uh, event happen uh, for 9-11 in which Hillary Clinton collapsed. Um, on Sunday, and uh, what do you think the fallout is going to be for her, and do you see this impacting her, the race, or her campaign? Well, it, yeah, it is going to impact the race. It already is. Um, the polls that we were just starting to see late this week are really starting to show a, uh, a pretty significant jump up for Trump and fall in ratings for, for Mrs. Clinton. The, the, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal uh, if it hadn't been caught on camera. Uh, but it was all caught on camera only because some spectator happened to have a cell phone. Uh, everybody in the press was completely clueless as usual. Um, and that, that video is just devastating. Um, you know, most voters are, are visual learners. Uh, they don't really pay a lot of attention to, you know, the back and forth of people releasing their medical information and reports from their doctors like it's happened later this week. Uh, but they see that video and they see her completely collapsing uh, and having to be literally carried into that van. And, um, you know, that's just a, a, an image that's going to stick in people's minds. And it's already showing up in the polls in a pretty significant way. Very interesting. Um, I guess the next uh, opportunity that we really will see, she's going to hit the campaign trail and uh, we'll see if there are any more episodes of um, her health issues. Um, and as they start emerging, I guess the American public will be looking at that, and it will probably play, I would imagine, some kind of a – it will probably play out of her not being well enough to be the president of the United States. So, well, I guess we'll just stay tuned to see if there are any more incidents with her. And, David, once again, thank you for joining us on this week's In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We look forward to you coming back next week. Thank you for having me. Thank you, David Blackman. Always great having you as our resident expert here on In the Oil Patch. We've got a great guest coming up for you on the next segment, and you are going to want to hear this interview coming up next on In the Oil Patch. Hey folks, join Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine in partnership with the Corpus Christi Regional Economic Development Corporation for the second annual State of Energy event. Shale Magazine and the CCREDC will welcome industry leaders, business, and community stakeholders for a discussion on the current state of energy sectors that include exploration and production, LNG and refineries, and the industry's future opportunities and challenges in a disruptive market. Our keynote speaker will be Karen Harbert, President and CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Institute for the 21st Century. We'll also have a special panel of speakers that you won't want to miss. It's all happening on October 12, 2016 at the Omni Hotel in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. 
Doors open at 11.15 and the speakers begin at 11.30 a.m. So get your tickets at the CCREDC website. That's www.ccredc.com. Again, get your tickets at www.ccredc.com. And we look forward to seeing you there. Hey, you, do you want to go to the fastest growing oil and gas mixer in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you got my attention, but what is Teak? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocate Coalition, and we hold free business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Is there a fee to join? Not for the next 90 days. It's completely free. So there's no charge to join, no charge to attend mixers, but we do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where do I go? You go to shellmag.com slash teak, T-E-A-C, and click the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. So let me write this down. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash T-E-A-C. Yes. Well, that sounds good. I'll see you at the next mixer. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto. Kim, we've got a very special guest on the phone with us today. He's the former executive director of the Texas Railroad Commission, and now he's the executive vice president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. John Tintero, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. I've been watching uh, your uh, magazine and your radio show and I think you do a great service uh, for the citizens of Texas. And so I hope we get some listeners excited and interested in what we're going to talk about today. Well, John, we've got about 1.2 million folks listening this evening, and, and they are the greatest listeners in the state of Texas. Well, God bless Texas. It has meant the world to me and my family, and a big part of Texas is the oil and gas business in Texas. And that is what I know, and that's what I've made my living in uh, for the past 30-plus years. Well, you know, John, we we – ran into you, you were giving a presentation to the San Antonio Pipeliners Association here in San Antonio uh, a week or so ago. And the discussion that you were having was so interesting to me because some of the things that the media really does not cover well is how important uh, oil is to the United States and specifically Texas. And to hear the discussions that you were having with the group about the uh, federal regulations and the state regulations that are coming down the pike or trying to come down the pike are alarming. I have grave concerns about the uh, way the oil and gas industry is being treated both internationally and and nationally, uh, particularly out of Washington, D.C. I think it's time to remind our listeners and particularly our younger listeners about some of the history that we all need to recall and we all need to remember and frankly we all need to bring into our everyday lives. Our founding fathers started a revolution with the phrase, taxation without representation is tyranny. And today we're facing a new tyranny in the oil field. And that tyranny is one of overregulation. And the phrase for today and the call to arms for today is regulation without representation is tyranny. I say that because the regulations that are being passed out of Washington, D.C. are coming from the executive branch. They're coming from federal agencies that report directly to either the White House or to the president or to uh, members of his cabinet. They are circumventing Congress. 
not representing the will of the people that are being impacted by those regulations, nor are they necessarily representing the greater good based on science and fact that the rest of the country needs. The country needs a secure and safe energy base. That energy base is always going to contain oil and gas in its portfolio. Oil and gas is an international commodity. Oil and gas has an infrastructure that is worldwide. To replace that infrastructure or to change that infrastructure would be so ridiculously expensive as to be impossible. Oil and gas is now readily available with the technology that began in Texas, with the technology that was invented in Texas, and with the rocks, the God-given geology that is beneath our feet in Texas. That is why Texas leads the way in energy production and in energy technology. And as I've traveled the world talking to both foreign governments and foreign dignitaries, and they've all asked about the miracle of the Texas Revolution in hydrocarbon energy, one of the things that they expressly tell me is, as goes Texas, will go the rest of the energy world. So the whole world is watching Texas. And frankly, the battlefield Texas that has developed in the regulations between the federal government trying to impose its will on the energy-producing states is one that's going to be closely watched overseas. And, you know, it's pretty serious because when the federal government said they were going to put the coal business uh, out of business, they did a very good job of doing that. And now they're looking at uh, hydraulic fracturing uh, in the same possible way, I I believe. Well, Kim, you made a very good point when you said that uh, the legislature is a key part of it. And and so is our Congress in in Washington, D.C., And I don't take these positions and stances lightly. I am a geologist. I've spent 35 years as an environmental and petroleum geologist. I understand the science that's behind this. I understand the risk. I've been a regulator for over 22 years. I ran the Railroad Commission's operations during that time. And I trace my sense of discomfort with the activities of the federal government to 2010 when the Environmental Protection Agency issued a very unusual and frankly unsubstantiated emergency order against range resources claiming that hydrofracturing had contaminated shallow groundwater. Well, as an environmental geologist, as I looked at the data, it became apparent to me that that was not true. And the Railroad Commission, which consists of three statewide elected officials that each of your listeners will have a chance to vote for over their six-year terms, each of those commissioners listened to the evidence in a formal hearing with testimony under oath and conclusively proved that the Environmental Protection Agency's allegations were wrong. Along with those allegations came a political tone and a political tenor out of the Environmental Protection Agency that was not only unprofessional, but uncalled for. And I compliment the uh, oil and gas industry for using science, fact, and due process to push back on this overregulation. That begins the basis of my concerns for what we're seeing now from Washington, D.C., and it will carry forward into the legislative session. Now, Texas legislators are are smart people, and as we all know, uh, they literally work almost for free. Uh, They're citizen soldiers. They represent their districts, and they don't do this kind of work for a living. All of them have alternative careers associated with it. Because of that, we want to make sure that they get the proper facts and they get the true concepts that will help guide them in their decision-making as lawgivers as we approach this session. Probably the biggest issue in the upcoming session is going to be finances. Because of the dramatic drop of oil and gas prices due to OPEC, a foreign cartel, 
flooding the international market for geopolitical purposes that are not intended in any way to help the United States or to help the great state of Texas. Because of that activity, the budget of Texas is going to be severely curtailed. There's going to be a significant struggle for money. And the oil and gas industry's contributions, multi-billion dollar contributions to the rainy day fund, to tax bases, to local governments and ad valorem taxes, all of those have decreased significantly, some by as much as 10 to 15 percent of, of their value. That is going to put a tremendous pressure on the legislature to find ways to continue funding the important prospects and the important infrastructure that the state has. For example, uh, portions of the Rainy Day Fund are currently being used to uh, build new roads, and the Rainy Day Fund is almost fully funded by taxes on the oil and gas industry. So what we're going to see in the upcoming session is a number of issues that will be involving both the finances, the incentives, the taxes that the oil and gas industry plays, and the ability of the oil and gas industry to operate. John, we want to stay with some of the legislation coming up in 2017 and and really dig into that, but we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest, John Tintera, with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. We'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that will keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and we're visiting with the Executive Vice President of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, John Tintera. Kim? You know, Alvin uh, and John, it's so important for uh, this discussion to continue uh, because, John, I think that as uh, as a, an individual that works outside the oil and gas industry, it's very hard sometimes for us to understand the big implications that happens to our daily lives, our careers, our jobs, when oil and gas is not producing the 12 or $13 billion they're doing a year through uh, oil exploration. And so it does have this big impact on us all when we start uh, making bad decisions and start hurting the oil and gas, rather it's coming from outside uh, the United States or here uh, and how our elected officials are making decisions. So I want to get into some of the real specifics that this session our Texas legislators are going to be dealing with. So the SWR 13 Let's break that down. What is that, and how is it going to impact us? Statewide Rule 13 is a railroad commission regulation, Kim, that is extremely important to the citizens of Texas because it clearly demonstrates that the state of Texas takes the safety of oil and gas drilling to great concern. Uh, the regulation is now updated. It fully regulates hydraulic fracturing. It uh, is uh, enforced regularly by the Railroad Commission through their inspections, and it demonstrates clearly that safety is paramount to the state of Texas, as well as to the Railroad Commission of Texas, as well as to the oil and gas industry. And that safety not only extends to uh, human life, but also to human property and environmental protection. The rule clearly protects the surface and subsurface waters of the state of Texas. In fact, as of today, there has never been a hydrofracturing incident that has contaminated groundwater in the state of Texas. 
that has never occurred, and it's because of the up-to-date regulations that are put in place by our state regulators. So when one of our state regulators, like the Railroad Commission, comes under sunset review and the Railroad Commission needs to be renewed for 10 years, an important part of that is to recognize that they have updated their regulations, uh, that their regulations are fully enforced, and that the oil and gas industry supports a strong state regulator. A lot of people don't recognize that the legislature several years ago uh, diverted a lot of the oil and gas funding away from taxpayers' dollars uh, for the Railroad Commission's budget, and they are using the fees and the uh, regulatory charges that industry pays in order to get the permits and to have the activity to fund the Railroad Commission. So the legislature, in its wisdom, has said that we want this to have as little impact uh, as far as cost on the budget of Texas. However, the aspect that the uh, industry contributes vast amounts of money to the budget of Texas is something that it clearly everybody understands. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor. It doesn't matter if uh, you're a lawyer. It doesn't matter uh, if you're in working in construction, if you're driving a bulldozer. The taxes that the oil and gas industry pays helps support and protect not just the school children of Texas, not just education, not just the rainy day fund, but many of the other activities like new road construction in the state of Texas. And the legislature will be challenged in this session to use it widely. Now, along with the safety aspects of statewide Rule 13, we also have frac focus disclosure. There has been a significant amount of controversy generated, and unnecessarily so, about what is a very common practice of hydrofracturing. Well, in case the public doesn't know, Frac Focus is a website that any of us can Google up, and you can find any well that has ever been hydrofractured since the beginning of the rule five or six years ago, where it's located, what was done in it for its hydrofracturing, and what were the type of materials that were used for hydrofracturing. Now, John, is this on, on this website, is this just for wells in the state of Texas or nationwide? It is a, a handful of states have all participated in the same website. So it is a, a national initiative that hydrofracturing and energy-producing states have decided to participate in through their regulatory process in order to make sure that there is as much transparency as possible for the general public when it comes to oil and gas activities. Now, John, I want to talk a little bit more about fracking, but I want to take the, the conversation into the induced seismicity and some of the research and, and some of the things we know about induced seismicity today. But first, we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, the Executive Vice President of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, John Tintero. We'll be right back. Managers, bosses, supervisors. Hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. Banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. 
And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto and our special guest, John Tintera of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. John, when we went to break, we were talking about the new frac focus disclosure and, and the website that's available for folks to see kind of what's going on in the fracking industry. But let's take the conversation a step further and let's talk induced seismicity. And in Texas, a few years ago, this was a much bigger conversation than it is today. And I think that's because we've learned so much about induced seismicity and and the fact that even the U.S. Geological Society admits that fracking has zero to do with induced seismicity. Let's talk about that. And that is correct. And frankly, I'm proud of the state of Texas for being so proactive in their approach to it. And uh, I commend the uh, state legislature uh, for uh, funding the Bureau of Economic Geology, a renowned institution at the University of Texas, uh, to put together a team that has portable seismic arrays that can go out to any earthquake and determine if in any way there was any oil and gas activity that might have contributed to it. I would say that as a geologist, I would certainly agree that it is theoretically possible for injection, not hydraulic fracturing, but injection processes to change the pressure regime in the subsurface in very rare circumstances that could trigger a minor earthquake. Now, there are many faults in Texas, thousands, tens of thousands of faults in Texas, and those faults uh, may intersect with deep-seated tectonic movement of the plate's crusts that scientists call geotectonics or plate tectonics. That's what is the usual producer of earthquakes. That's what we see out in California, uh, the San Andreas Faults, the others that are fairly well known. However, in Texas, we don't have those massive actively moving faults that are coming to the surface. They're attributed to uh, basement rocks. And so far, there have been some potential allegations made that some of the injection activities may have caused some earthquakes. I believe the jury is still out on that. The science, in fact, and due process needs to catch up with it. But one of those examples was in Azle, Texas, where some injection wells uh, were adjacent to some earthquake epicenters. However, the Railroad Commission investigated those, and they found the injection zones of those wells that were a mile deep was fully a mile above the uh, basement where the actual earthquake occurred and could not have played a role in that. That is what the legislature looked at and said, well, let's take this capability and make it permanent in the state of Texas. So now we have a state institution ready, willing, able, and funded to go out and conduct any investigation that's necessary so that the regulators can then take proper action in any event. And also the Texas Railroad Commission was at the forefront of, of regulating the amount of water that can be put in an ejection well. So you know, we, we've got such a, you know, Railroad Commission does such a great job regulating oil and gas in Texas, which has such a great oil and gas industry. You know, I, I have to go back, and we do this every show, Kim, to what David Porter says, regulatory framework matters, and these guys were on top of it. And they are on top of it, and their new regulation for induced seismicity to get an injection permit, you must take into account any potential threats that might come from your injection activities causing any type of earthquake. And that is really one of the very first regulatory efforts. It leads the way like Texas frequently does. It leads the way in regulations to try to ensure that there's not just protection, 
for the general public, but there is super protection for the general public to avoid any type of induced seismicity. However, I would say that Texas has the largest injection program in the world, and as we all know, for the past 40 or 50 years, there have not been any significant earthquakes in the state of Texas, nor do we expect any to be in the future. Texas will likely not have the same problems as Oklahoma may be having right now because they have a very different geologic regime. There is a growing uh, concern in the oil and gas industry that water uh, can and will be used as a way to halt oil and gas development as opposed to a way to preserve and protect the water resources. All industries need access to water. The oil and gas industry probably uses less than 1% of uh, the industrial use of water statewide. However, in some areas, they can use a significant amount of water. Uh, particularly in a local area. And that recognition that the water needs to be preserved and used only up to the moments that, only up to the point where it is uh, absolutely necessary and then not to use any more, don't waste the resource, is something that, again, I've seen the Railroad Commission take a front row seat on. They have come up with new recycling rules for water in the oil field that makes it as easy to recycle water as it is to hire a bulldozer for your lease activities. And as long as that water is reused in the oil field under Railroad Commission regulation, it is something that is very transparently available to other operators to use. So the Railroad Commission has taken a lead in recycling. There's over 7 billion barrels of produced water that are disposed of every year. If we could get federal agencies to reflect the same type of foresight that state agencies have, we could take those 7 billion barrels, treat them, and find other uses for them. I will also say that the Railroad Commission is overseeing pilot projects right now where they're having the beginning of using water that comes up from the ground along with the oil and gas that frequently is fairly salty and treating that and using it to grow some non-edible crops. Uh, and those crops are things like Bermuda grass. So those non-edible crops now are in test plots, and Texas A&M is conducting this study to try to see how we might be able to use this water. So the same technological innovation that we saw to recover hydrocarbons and bring them to the market uh, and make energy reliable and inexpensive, we're also seeing the oil and gas industry lead the charge with the ability to treat water and to use water and to preserve water. Well, and John, you know, we're talking about water. We, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, let's talk about, is water going to be involved in the sunset review for the Railroad Commission coming up in the next session? And let's talk about that on the flip side. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey alongside your host, Kim Bellotto, visiting with John Tintera of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. We'll be right back. Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week, Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the Caleb Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? And I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always going to get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. 
So call me today, area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656, and let's talk. The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can always email me a bailey at kaligauto.com that's a bailey b-a-i-l-e-y at kalig k-a-h-l-i-g auto a-u-t-o dot com i look forward to seeing you down the road oil field experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto and our special guest today, John Tintera of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. John, when we were going to break, we, we've been talking water wars. And on this segment, let's spend a little bit of time talking about the sunset review that's coming up in the next session. And, and is water going to play a part in, let's just say, the marching orders for the Railroad Commission going forward? I would expect it to, because water is the topic that covers virtually every industry in every way and impacts virtually every person in the state of Texas. And I would hope that the legislative review of this Railroad Commission for the sunset process would recognize the extensive efforts that the Railroad Commission has had and has made in order to both protect water as well as to encourage the recycling of produced water and their willingness as regulators to consider the opportunities that the byproducts of oil and gas production, like produced water that comes from the earth, may have beneficial reuse possibilities. You know, John, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because the opening statement that you made is pretty profound. We have a lot of federal uh, overreach occurring, and this uh, election uh, of you know who will be our next president are, is going to really have a big impact on how we continue in the energy industry and what are their views. I don't want to necessarily get into you know which candidate is doing what, but I do want to come back to what are the biggest issues and concerns you're seeing coming out from the federal government that we probably need to be aware of that are going to affect the industry. Well, there has been an onslaught of federal regulations over the past six or seven years, just like there has been a tremendous change in the personnel that works at these executive branch agencies that are trying to promulgate rules that uh, can literally be forced upon uh, various states because of the delegation activities and the delegation requirements that the federal rules take with them. Uh, They are all-encompassing. For example, we've heard quite a bit about endangered species and the fact that Endangered species like mussels, like prairie chickens, like sage grouse are being targeted directly where oil field activities are. And the balance that needs to be taken between the health and well-being of a family that is trying to serve as a pumper in the oil field and pay for their mortgage 
with what is the true science behind the impact of an endangered species like the prairie chicken is something that uh, the federal government has gone far away from the citizens of Texas and far into the protection of the endangered species. We've also seen an expansion of waters of the U.S. definition. Waters of the U.S. were originally meant to be navigable waterways, like the intercoastal waterway, but it's been expanded now and with a new definition that has a court order staying it in the federal courts that waters of the U.S. go far beyond navigable, and it's literally any ditch, any drainage ditch, possibly even just a slope that leads to any water that might eventually lead to something that could be called navigable waters. It's a huge expansion of the federal oversight. You've heard of the uh, Environmental Protection Agency. They've recently conducted a hydrofracturing study. Well, that began as an effort to regulate hydrofracturing on the federal level. But the uh, Environmental Protection Agency has been un unable to demonstrate that hydrofracturing presents any, poses any risk to groundwater. So that groundwater uh, is perfectly safe under the state regulations for hydrofracturing. However, there's increasing discontent among the environmental groups that this report is not antagonistic enough against the oil and gas industry. And so they're right now discussing whether it should be re rewritten or not. We've already discussed induced seismicity. United States Geological Survey, another, all of these are executive branch agencies that do not report to Congress, but do report to the executive branch, uh, is issuing reports and beginning studies on the induced seismicity of individual states. It makes it even more important for Texas to make sure that we grab the bull by the horns and we don't have uh, outsiders from Washington, D.C. try to influence or create an unlivable uh, economic scenario in Texas that hurts uh, our well-being as well as our tax base. You've seen the Occupational Safety and Health Administration try to focus on the oil and gas industry. Uh, oil and gas is hard work. Primarily, it's safe work. We want everyone to be safe, but again, it's overregulation that we're concerned about. Now, John, in, in closing, what is the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers doing to help the oil and gas industry to, uh, to, to fight these overreaching regulations? Well, the most recent thing we did is we joined the lawsuit uh, against the Environmental Protection Agency on their new methane regulations. Their new methane regulations will have very little positive benefit in reducing methane uh, emissions and will have a huge expense and an extremely difficult time for the oil and gas industry to possibly implement it, particularly when it comes to the independent producers and particularly when it comes to wells that most people consider marginal. That's who the uh, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers represents. We represent the independent oil and gas operator. Now, if somebody wants to help support the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, how do they get more information about your organization? Well, please join us. It would be the first thing. Go to our webpage, texasalliance.org. Uh, Google us up. Uh, you can, we have student memberships, and we have a very strong student community that joins us. Uh, please join us as average citizens. Please join us as oil and gas producers. Help us spread the message. Uh, we have numerous functions, including in Houston, Texas, where we have our Wildcatters Club. Come by, talk to us. We're happy to share our information with you. We're happy to engage in a dialogue. We think that the oil and gas operators of Texas need representation, and they need help in this fight against this overwhelming federal bureaucracy, and that's what we're here for. We're here to help our oil and gas producers safely, economically, and 
adequately produce oil and gas for the good of all Texans. So if you uh, wear steel toe boots and a hard hat and you work in the oil and gas industry or you know somebody who works in the oil and gas industry, you need to go to texasalliance.org and check these guys out. John, you guys are doing some great things. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time in one show to cover everything that we need to cover. We do want to have you back on again, but I, I just I'm honored to have you on the show with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for what you do, and I hope your listeners uh, will join me in saying God bless Texas. Thank you, John. Well, Kim, great show today. Great State of Energy show coming up on October the 12th. Again, it's going to be at the Omni Hotel. What is the address for the Omni? It's 900 North Shoreline Boulevard. And we've given out how to get tickets to the State of Energy show a couple of times, and I think we should make that our trivia question for today. I agree. So the question today is, where do you get tickets for the State of Energy happening October the 12th in Corpus Christi. And there's your trivia question for today. How do you get tickets to the State of Energy show? Again, it's on October 12th. If you'd like to win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful and the yummy Palm Restaurant in Houston, be the first correct email to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at shalemag.com. First correct email wins a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. And Kim, that's going to put the wraps on another show this week be sure to like us on facebook that's facebook.com forward slash in the oil patch radio show twitter at shale mag and you know what kim we'll see you next week that's right Adios. see you next week bye-bye in the oil patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas business and in your community every week our host kim Bellotto, along with me alvin bailey will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry you'll hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch